Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here there. But when I, when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's, I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash ev6 kia movement that inspires look at you can i have 40 more seconds of tardiness to brew a cup of coffee i'll be more entertaining on your show if you allow it you don't need to explain that to me Hello, everybody. Welcome to Literally. Um, we have one of the greatest podcasters out there today, Mr. Dax Shepard, joining us today. And by the way, not only a great podcaster, and I do mean great, and as you'll see, he's just a genius. I, I could listen to Dax and do all day long, but a great actor, truly great actor, comedy, drama, you know, he's got the beautiful wife, kids, he's got it all going on. Um, He's, he's one of my, one of my favorite people I've never met in the flesh. How about that? Um, the great Dax Shepard is joining us right now. I'm recording. I'm ready to party. You, uh, you look good. You, your under eye, you got something going under your eyes that I like. Is it, is that just glistening? Is it lighting? Are you wearing eye gel thingamabobs? <laughs> Concealer? No, no, I'm- I'm not wearing any makeup. I uh, I got up. I got my girls on Zoom. There was a all school meeting, which threw a wrench into things. Uh, and then I've arrived here, and this is uh, interview number two. So the fact that my eyes are holding up in any capacity, I appreciate you noticing. I I will listen. You know, I'm a, I'm a, a connoisseur of handsome men. Oh my god! And you are. Uh, we have I, the high I've, watermark. I'm I well, I'm actually I think the parliamentarian of oh. the handsome men's club, Jimmy Kimmel's handsome men's club. <laughs> that's quite an honor isn't it though uh he he calls me in for more of the like blue collar stuff like if he needs a dipshit who can't ca- guess some scientific thing that's when i get asked to come participate we all have our lanes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, anyone but, that ends with a paycheck, I'll, I'm fine with. Yeah. Oh, bro. Hello. <laughs> um, I remember uh, I used to be friendly with with Dennis Miller, and he was in. It was when celebrities didn't really do all, that many commercials, and he did an M and M's commercial. Uh-huh. I was like, I was like, uh, saw your M and M's commercial, uh-huh. and he was like, he was like, babe, for an extra hundred k, I would have been inside the shell. <laughs> That's a good Dennis Miller. Really? I thought it was weak cheese. No, You're just no, a gracious it really man. Nice. It was nice. You're a very gracious. I, you know, I don't know why I did never put together that you were in Idiocracy, which is, dude, that, okay, I remember reading that script and thinking this is the most brilliant script I've ever read. And then I think they couldn't maybe get the money for it for a long time and I forgot about it. Uh-huh. And then, of course, it came out and it is, it's interesting, it's not as good as the script for whatever reason. Sure. Would you would you agree with that? Well, let me just start by saying it, it, it. I agree with you. I read it and I was like, this is the single best script I've ever read in my life. Um, comedically, I, would, I had also read Pulp Fiction for fun and that's better. But, you know, yes. comedically, yeah, I had never read anything as funny as that. And I had been doing some episodes of King of the Hill at the time. And, and Mike and I had kind of hit it off and we would sometimes have lunch when I would record those. And... um he did not see me in that role in any way. I had to beg him to to audition for it, and because he had pictured a very rotund person, and I said, "Well, look, I, I can, I'll gain weight, whatever." He he granted me an audition, thank goodness, and then I went in and I did that stupid character and <laughs> and and it, it bowled him over, and I and I got it. And yes, was it executed as good as the script? No, but he had $30 million to do a movie set in the future with garble lanches and stuff. So, yeah, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that he could have done better with the budget he had, but you're, but we agree on the fact that that's the best script maybe ever. And, and had, had, had I not read the script and had the, you know, the imagination of having $200 million to make it, you know, I yeah. would never know the difference, and I would just think this movie is amazing. It, and it is amazing, and it's, I mean, it, and it doesn't, it doesn't seem as crazy. Obviously, I'm not the first person to do to do the math on that. Well, I'm sure you've had this experience where it's like, there's all these waves of how you your perception of a project. So, we went and did it. It then sat on a shelf for like a year and a half, maybe two years. It never tested well. They were not going to release it, but contractually, they had to put it in X amount of theaters per Mike's contract. And then I just go, okay, well, no one's ever going to see this movie. So that's a bummer. Um, And I had an opportunity to have been in a movie at the exact same time that ended up being an enormous movie. So I kind of think, oh, well, I blew that one. Um, And then over time... It turns out everyone sees it, and and that's crazy. And and maybe more people talk about that than the other movie that had been big at the time. So then my perception shifts. And like you, when I first saw it, I was like, oh, it's a little. I want it to be. I wish it were. They had more money, right? But yeah. now I also go, oh no, part of the charm of it, and uh, part of the junkiness of it, which yes. is the commentary of where we're going. <laughs> now I'm like, well, that kind of seems brilliant. So it, it's just funny how many iterations you can have of something you've been in it, it, that's one of the great things about stream i mean if that if that had happened to that movie when i was coming up in the business it would be over and that would be it you'd never see it again that's right that's right people would be at parties going you never saw no that rob Lowe movie he rides an elephant from indiana to to georgia yeah no i never saw it 
I mean, and I guess I never will. I'm I'm thrilled that you saw my elephant movie. <laughs> well, because I've 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 scrubbed it from my IMDb. <laughs> um, but, you know, that that kind of it shouldn't have been surprising because that's kind of what Mike's thing is. So he had done Office Space and Office Space didn't. No one saw it in the movie right. theater. Right. And yet I can't think of a movie that's more ubiquitous than that movie. So it, it weirdly like that. What an interesting niche he has in movies that that's what he does. He releases something and kind of gets missed and then. You know, it gets discovered and, and cherished. He's such a genius. And it's not like it's not like he doesn't get the credit. He gets plenty of credit. I mean, people know Mike Judge. He's done just fine. But I don't think he gets the credit. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I do you know what I'm saying. I mean, I think that guy is beyond. Well, and he is in so many ways people might not know about. Like when I went to Austin to do that movie, I went to his office and there was probably 35 instruments in his office. And I said, um, what, do you collect instruments? And he goes, no, I like to play, you know, um, pretty much everything. And I'm like, you, you can play all these instruments. And he goes, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And this <laughs> motherfucker sat down and played like 12 of the instruments for me. And I'm talking, he can play a harpsichord. Jesus. He, he can blow bagpipe, you know, like he really... He's kind of a musical savant. And then you come to find out, oh, he was a physicist before he was making cartoons. I mean, he is he is has a very scientific mind. Uh, yeah, he's kind of a phenom. No kidding. God. Yeah. Jesus. And he's handsome as hell. Mike Judge. What a stud. What a guy. Isn't he your neighbor? Oh, no, you're in Santa Barbara. I'm in Santa Barbara. And you're in Austin. Right. Yes. Are you? Where are you? No, I wish. I'm in Los Feliz. Oh, Los Feliz, Austin. It's all the same. Well, it's funny you'd say that, but if I had to compare, if I had to say, what's the Austin of L.A.? It I is the Los Feliz. No, it really is. There's a good vibe. It, tru there. it truly is. Um, I saw a quote of yours the other day that made me laugh where you, and you know, I don't know if you're quoted properly or not, but you were like, I was always more excited about being on talk shows than actually acting. And I was like, I kind of get that. <laughs> I don't know if you didn't say it, you yeah. should claim that you said well, it because it's good. It's really funny. Well, and just f full disclosure, embarrassing disclosure, as a kid, you know, I interviewed so many people who knew they wanted to be an actor at a very young age. And I, I certainly did not know that. You, Me? You did. Yeah. Um, but I, So I had no dreams of being an actor, but I regularly sat in front of the mirror while combing my hair and I answered questions from Dave Letterman. <laughs> like I just was certain somehow he would be interested enough in me to speak to me. And at that time, I don't know, it's because I could jump a BMX bike really far or something. I don't even know what <laughs> reason I had in those moments, but I don't think I've ever rehearsed anything more in my mind than being interviewed by David Letterman. And I almost think I just <laughs> had to figure out a route to his couch. And I'll say when I finally was sitting there staring at his face, it was maybe the most surreal moment I've had professionally. I was like, by God, here we go. Let's talk about my BMX jumps. Oh, and, and it's like, and I love David Letterman as much as the next guy, but not the easiest person to be interviewed by sometimes. Well, that's what's great is if you're like a real student of his, you know when he likes people. Oh, yeah. And I got to say, like midway through, I just looked at his face and I was like, oh, my goodness, he likes me like he genuinely likes me. And I just it was very out of body uh, to me. I, I was I don't think I've ever been as giddy 
on television as I was like, once it clicked, oh, he kind of, he, he thinks this is funny. He thinks I'm, you know, whatever he thought, but he was kind. And then in the breaks, he spoke to me disparagingly about other guests, which I thought was the ultimate sign of like, oh, he really likes me. (laughs) I got to tell you one really funny thing about that Letterman appearance was I, at the time, punked was maybe at its pinnacle. Um, I was, or things were happening that already defied explanation. So I was ratcheting up my opinion of myself so quickly uh, because the show kind of aired. And then I remember taking a bicycle ride in Santa Monica, like only three days after it aired. And like a handful of people screamed my name because I used my real name on that show. So I was like, wait a minute, this this really happened like th- three days ago. No one knew me. And then now I'm riding a bike and people know me. And then I went to New York. I was doing other press and people had kind of gathered outside of TRL because that was the demo. So yeah. my 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 uh, self-assessment is very askew at this moment. So I pull up to Letterman's uh, back entrance to enter and I'm in a black suburban. And Rob, there are over a thousand people. I, I bet you there's... 1,500 to 2,000 people. There's barricades. And as I get out, the crowd is starting to really gain momentum and they're screaming. And I like open the door and I think, oh my God, this is happening. And then there was an immediate collective, ah, it's not him. Ah, put your cameras away. Like people were super upset. And it's because Tom Cruise was the first guest. (laughs) And so all those people were there for Tom Cruise. And then, so I was kind of greeted by 1,500 people that were super disappointed it was me that got out of the Suburban. So I think I was carrying that a little bit as a a chip on my shoulder. And so when I, in the commercial break with Dave, I said, you know, I got to say, I feel like you're kind of, you just introduced the the new Ferrari and now you've brought up the Ford Taurus. Look, it's got (laughs) wipers. Like I was kind of bagging on myself compared to Tom Cruise. And he goes, oh, fuck Tom Cruise. And I was like, oh, oh great, 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 great. That I can see him saying, I, it's funny. I, I was okay on talk shows, I, th- I think. And then I got to be, I think, kind of good on them. And then uh-huh. ended up, ended up wanting to have my own. And here we are. But, yes. the, but the, the, the fork in the road happened on Letterman. Tell me. And, you know, so a lot of people think that the conversations that the stars have with Jimmy Kimmel and Fallon and all and Ellen are just conversations. And, you know, there's this process called the pre-interview. Mm-hmm. And in the pre-interview, you, you talk to their producer and it goes like this. Um, hey, Rob, really, really. Ellen's really excited to have you on the show. It's going to be great. This will be your uh, 16th time on the show. So, uh, like, what's been going on? Like, what did your family do for Christmas? Uh-huh. You know, we opened presents. Great, great. So, do you have any funny stories about uh, 911 Lone Star? Like, are you guys doing some crazy, like, uh, hijinks on that thing? You got anything yeah, you can favorite, tell me? My favorite question is pranks. Yeah. Who's the biggest prankster on set of 911 Lone Star? Yeah. It's like, like, do you ever, like, try to pull, just like, 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 Liv Tyler's hair or something like that? <laughs> not, not really. And then it's like, um, okay, so we play a little game. Are you cool playing a game? So we play a little game called uh, Guess the Geography, and you're going to wear a, a, a silly hat and dance, and then you're going to like, fucking what? I just want to talk. Can I just not talk to Ellen? 
Yeah. yeah. Or Jimmy no. Kimmel. Can I just no. not talk to them? No, you have to do a little more than that. No, 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 no. It's not good <laughs> enough to have you on. Um, and so there's this, and it's really elaborate, right? And the Letterman pre-interview, and I'm not being facetious. I remember because I was on a cell phone and I was living in Malibu. It took from the time I drove to Malibu to LAX, land, then got on a flight, flew to New York and then resumed it in New York. Oh so I was on, God. I was on with this Letterman producer for conservatively two hours. Oh boy. And, Are you starting to get the, like uh, insecure? Like, oh wow, we still can't find gold. I've told them about oh, that whole I, yeah, year. 100%. Like the, yeah, yeah. the only, the only possible takeaway is I'm so boring <laughs> that this guy has to grill me yeah. for 10 hours to get a five minute segment of David Letterman that might be interesting. Yeah. So Mr. Lowe, and, there and any it, details you're, you haven't told us. So, so you, you saw the woman, you noticed she had a red dress, but any, anything that was like a, a cop walking you through it. Surely, you know more about this than you're telling me. Well, what? Ha- so I, I, they're like, so like, have you gone on any trips maybe? <laughs> I'm like, well, I actually did go fishing with my dad and can't tell me about that. <laughs> And so I told him this, this story about like that, you know, we were, and I'm trying to make it into, I'm, you're, you're racking your brains going, I need to be interesting. I need to be interesting. I need to be interesting. How can I be interesting? And I'm like, okay, we were, we were flying on a seaplane and the pilot let me fly it for a minute. That's kind of interesting. I think that's yeah. interesting. Maybe that's good. Who gets to do that? And I tell him that and he goes, oh, okay. Keep playing. So anyway, long story short, I get to Letterman. And I'm about to go on. And this same producer comes up to me right in the wings. And is like, he's like, listen, Dave really loves the seaplane story. He loves it. So <laughs> when he brings up, you know, travel, that's when you talk about the seaplane. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and he kept hammering me. I'm like, okay. And so now I'm feeling totally scripted that I can't be myself, that when Dave says that, you're going to say this, and this says that, and you say that, and I'm like, and I don't even know where the fuck I am anymore. I'm like, David Letterman, and out I go. (laughs) And we do the interview, and Dave's in his um, uh, fuck Tom Cruise mode. Okay. Okay, great. (laughs) Not in his... I love Dak Shepard mode. Okay, sure, sure. And, and um, really quick, can I just add? You must have a little bit of a of a hurdle to overcome in general, just because you're very good looking and you're interacting with comedians, and no one got into comedy because <laughs> they thought they were gorgeous. So I imagine you start in a hole on most of these shows. Well, in this one, I was uh, I, I was I was definitely I was in the Grand Canyon. Okay. It was more than a right, hole. Right. It was the Grand Canyon, <laughs> and so I'm digging my way. I've, I, I'm digging my way out. And um, it's it's not going great at all. And oh I'm starting to sweat. <laughs> and and he goes, so tell me, you do any uh, traveling? <laughs> and I'm like, here it is, here it is. And I'm, like, and yeah. I'm now like willing to say and do anything because I'm sure. dying. <laughs> and so I, I tell the story. And he goes, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, it go, and, and, and the guy had told me beyond on stage, he goes, really, really take your time. I mean, he loves the story. Don't rush through it. He loves it. <laughs> and I'm like, and then we get up in the in a seaplane, and I'm with the seaplane, and I look at my dad, and the pilot gives me the controls, and I have the controls, and I don't really know how to fly a plane, obviously, Dave. And it was really exciting, but uh, he gave me the, the 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 I gave me they call it the yoke, Dave. They call it the yoke. That's what the plane is called, and they gave me the yoke, and I took it and I flew it, and uh, and my dad was scared, and we both were were really scared. 
<laughs> I am seen. Crickets. He goes, he goes, oh boy. dead silence in the studio. Dead silence from Dave. Oh. He goes, um, so listen, you seem like a really nice guy. Oh, so oh. after the show, why don't you come up to my office and we'll work on that story? No. He said that on air. 100% oh. true. Oh, 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 boy. Oh, boy. Woo. Dave loves that That's story. Make sure you tell that story. Oh. So that's, oh that, my that's, gosh. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's an absolutely true story. I can brutal. I can. All right. So I, I have said this before and I think I even got to talk about it with him at one point, but, but prior to me getting sober, I did the pre-interview, which you just explained in a full blackout. So I had gone <laughs> out. Um, I met up a co-ed, there was a lot of drugs involved. I get shaken awake by my publicist and hotel security, who he is convinced to let uh, him into my room. And so yes. I'm laying there. One of us has peed the bed. We call that good morning, Johnny Depp. Okay, okay, great. Okay, great. Yeah. I... I'm being shaken, and, and and my publicist is saying you you are on Conan in 40 minutes. Like, <laughs> get, let's go. And I am I am uh, I'm a mess. And so, uh, we race to Conan. I'm saying like I I need some Red Bull or something. I'm guzzling Red Bulls, and I it occurs to me for half a second as I'm walking out like oh I I should have done a pre interview for this. Oh I, I clearly I have done a. You know, they wouldn't have let me on the show without doing a pre-interview. So I get out there. The first thing I do, because I'm panicked, is uh, there had been wild animals on just prior to my appearance. So I said, before I sat, I said, Conan, you should get a different green room for the guests and the poisonous snakes because I got tagged right before. And as I'm saying, I got tagged by a snake. I fake pass out. I go over. It goes way too big. I thought I was just going to kind of slump into the chair. But I went over the chair, and in the process, I kick the coffee table up in the air on accident. It breaks when it lands. I'm now on the other side of the, the couch. He's trying to respond to this. And, uh, you know, the audience loves it, uh, but there's, he doesn't, of course. And then I sit down, and then he begins, like, Dax, that's a weird name. And I'm thinking, hmm. That's supposed to cue me for a story about my name, which I can't think of a single one. So then I just go, you know, well, you got a lot of nerve. Your name's Conan, like Conan the Bright. Anyways, this this appearance from the audience point of view is is fine. But for Conan and I, we know it was a full on plane crash. It was it was such a mess. It was so frustrating for him. And I was just panicked. Like, I don't know one thing I'm supposed to be saying. And um, oh my not God, shockingly, this is I, I was banned from that show for, for about four years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I had to have a friend. Once I got like two years sober, I had a friend close to him call on my behalf and say, look, he's he's turned it all around. He really loves you. He wants to be on your show again. Please let him back. And then they let me back. And I've done it a bazillion times since. But yeah, that oh. was my pre-interview gone bad story oh i'm having i'm having like a panic attack picturing <laughs> that the, the look in their eye when they when their eyes get big in live television and because it's not gone oh i can only imagine from his point of view like what am i supposed to do this guy clearly doesn't know a single one of the stories he told the segment producer 
yesterday. And this is why we do podcasts, because we don't have to do any of that crap. Don't have to do any of it. And did you also cover? Hey, Dax. The- oh, wait, wait. Hang on, Dax. I, I, I'm going to play a little game here called Name That Tune. And, but the thing is, the, it's going to be scrambled, and uh, <laughs> you're not going to know the notes because we're going to change the notes. It's really cool. <laughs> did you covet the role of the person? It was always kind of legendary that there were a handful of guests that never d- needed to do pre-interviews. D- have you heard about this? Yes. Oh, yeah. No, no. I And um, with all possible humility, I am for sure on that list now. Okay. Because honestly, after after the, the Letterman fiasco, mm-hmm. what I learned from that, and, and I'm not kidding, is I, I had to be, is like, fuck those people. It's like, <laughs> right. I'm, I'm funny. And uh, I'm enough and I'm going to just, I'm going to actually talk to the human being that is behind the desk. Like they're there, they're there fulfilling their job thing and whatever. And um, there may be plenty of people that need it, but I'm just going to do my thing. And well, what is interesting is, so the pre-interview, I end up, there's not one question they ask me where I don't spin something semi-entertaining on that phone call. And then what happens inevitably is, unfortunately, by the time now when I go out on stage, I've already done all that. And I already was seeking approval for that story and I already got it. So, like, the carrot for me is a little bit a day or two ago where I I was trying my hardest to make some magic out of thin air. And now I'm just kind of repeating the thing I did. Yeah. So I I do see I have a desire to to fly with no net for sure. Um, Yeah. But... I too have had a whole evolution where it's like, I don't ever think I was bad at them, but I definitely learned how to slow down out there. And I learned how to relax and I learned how to let the fight come to me a little bit more and maybe be a tiny bit more of a counter puncher in those things. But it's certainly the notion that you could just drop a human being onto that couch and that they would know how to be entertaining in six minutes is a pretty big ask. You know, it's, it's a big ask. And the people who do it, are you just like... You just love it. You just love when, you know, I don't know, James Garner would be on The Tonight Show. Okay, who's your who's your Mount Rushmore? Okay, uh, great. I was just going to ask you the same okay. thing. So what I find myself watching once every three weeks, uh, just to replenish my soul, is Nick Cage's best Letterman appearances. Ugh. They're so incredible. They're so, I don't know for me, pound for pound, if there's a better guest on a talk show than... Than Nick Cage, he's uh, he tells one story about he and Charlie Sheen being on a a flight, and unbeknownst to him, Charlie Sheen had like a ounce of cocaine tape around his ankle, <clears throat> and ugh, he at one point they're 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 having a good old time on this flight, and at one point he goes up and he grabs the PA system, and he goes, "This is your captain speaking. I'm losing control of the aircraft." <laughs> <laughs> and just the word choice i'm losing control of the aircraft, aircraft is, is so open-ended and wonderful and then they get into trouble and of course when they land there's you know securities there <clears throat> but he tells this other story about having a um a king cobra which is just only he could do this story on 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 letterman where he goes <clears throat> you know dave i come home and i have this king cobra gale and uh you know gale. i feed it and i tell it how how are you? How was your day? And you know, Gail looks at me, and Gail just kind of raises her head and says, "Fuck you, fuck!" 
and he's <laughs> mimicking the the snake attacking him through the glass. And like the level he can get to with the fuck you is so uh, out of this world. I, I can't watch those clips enough. Have you seen him on Good on Good Morning America recently where they asked no. him about acting? No. Oh. What'd he say? And I'm I cannot do it a cage even remotely as good as yours. But he's like, Well well, first of all, um I find it offensive. <laughs> Because um, it's not acting. Acting is pretending. And that is the farthest thing from what I am doing. And it's so good. Mm, mm. I would love to see that. He was my guy. He was, I think even when I interviewed you, I told you this, which is he was the first guy that I thought, Oh fuck! Maybe there is a place for me in this business. He's he's not gorgeous. Uh, he's not unattractive. He's just kind of weird, and he's owning it. And and by God, he's he's the star of Valley Girl. And uh, he I found him to be incredibly encouraging as someone who wanted to get into acting, but didn't think I could do the many things the other actors seem to be doing. And I, I also say that one of the most profound things I've ever learned about this has come from him in an interview talking about doing the movie Face Off with Travolta. And he said, you know, there becomes a point in the movie where we're going to start playing each other. And I'm nervous for Travolta, how he's going to mimic me. Uh, Clearly, everyone can do a Travolta. And he he is so specific. I know what to do, but I feel so bad for John that he has to do me. And he said that was the first time he ever realized that he was enough, that he was a thing, that he could be mimicked, that Travolta could do him and that he is specific and he is unique. And I thought, how could it have taken Nick Cage that long to recognize he's unique and specific and enough as he is? And I found that to be just a great bit of advice for anyone who does this. Like, you're enough. Be you. You don't have to do anything. Just be good at, you know, find your voice and let it out. And there's enough there. I had um, Matthew McConaughey. I was talking to him recently and he was saying that Joel Schumacher, who directed uh, Me and St. Almost Fire and gave Matthew his big break in Time to Kill. His first big direction was, no, no, no. Stop doing that. I want do what you do. Oh, I hired you. Oh, do do. You do you. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of the, it's kind of the same thing. Really. It's, it's very, it's very counterintuitive. Like if you're listening, you're probably thinking, well, that's, that seems so silly. That would be the easiest thing to do is to be myself. But I'd argue it's the thing that takes this, the most confidence. Cause you really have to trust that however I process um, a girl breaking up with me in a scene is going to be the right thing like uh, if i just do what i do that that's enough and i think that requires a lot of confidence well listen if, if people don't think it's tough just listen to your neighbor try to make a toast <laughs> you, right, you know right, the, right. The, the, the next uh, christmas gathering <laughs> see, see how riveting that is well there is a really um, fun thing i wonder if you've had this experience where um oh boy my brother will kill me for this but i, I definitely when i was on punk my i think and and I understand. I would have had the same opinion. He's my older brother. He's five years older than me. And he's watching this show and he's like, yeah, I mean, I could do that. And I'm like, I, yeah. I mean, I'm like, I studied improv for 10 <laughs> years, but that 
that doesn't, but I get it. He was, he's like, yes, that's how we act at an amusement park. I could do that. I'm like, great. I get it. I put him in chips. One scene. He had to scream at a big explosion. <laughs> I think he had one line. <laughs> and the greatest moment of my life was coming over to him afterwards. And he goes, oh my God, did I just fuck that whole thing up? Like what? Did I, that scream sound insane, right? That's not how uh, someone screams, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, buddy, welcome to the party. This, <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. And it just was, I could have tried to tell him that a million times, but just being able to plop him in there and experience it was so wonderful. Ah. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day? Or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky. Same day. Or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment. There's only one answer. California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California, um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. You know the only thing I ever let interrupt my podcast? My dog. Take a minute now, please. Pet your dog. While you learn about Bark, the company dedicated to making dogs happy, every month, BarkBox designs and delivers a whole new collection of toys and treats just for your best bud. Every toy is tailored to your pup's size and play style. From squeaky plush toys from BarkBox to ultra-tough, durable ones from Super Chewer, every treat is made with yummy, healthy, all-natural ingredients like pumpkin and sweet potato. Each box is inspired by a new theme and comes with fun surprises for you and your dog. For a limited time, they'll double your first box of goodies for free. I love making my dogs happy. Love it. It's my favorite thing in the world. And my dogs are obsessed with their chewable toys. BarkBox offers treats, keep my dogs healthy, and amazing new toys that keep my dogs entertained. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin-softening body wash and scents like Redwood, Wildland, and Stone. And an extra high-quality, amazing-smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. 
Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. By the way, I love chips. Did you ever get to meet? Well, Estrada's in it, right? Mm. Yeah, he's he's in it uh, at the end. I want yep. a name. I want a name. Low isn't a great name. Estrada's a great name. I want a name that I can just throw out. Like I could have, like where I've been off the radar for 50 years, like Eric Estrada has, and just go Estrada. And you're like, yeah. Estrada's back. He's back. That's right. That's right. He is everything you want him to be. He's radical. Exactly. He, yeah, he is fucking Eric Estrada. And yeah, he, he was lovely. I, I did feel a little, <laughs> how do I say this? I don't know that he knew the tone of the movie. Right. And I think rightly so. He probably had some fans that were eight when they fell in love with him. Kind of tweet him. Why would you be in a movie where they talk about eating ass for so long? And uh, so long. So I just. So long, yes. The longest so ass eating long. scene ever, ever recorded. Long. Um, so yeah, I, 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 I had a little bit of moral like, oh, I hope he's not bummed he did it because we had a ton of fun the day he was there. See, one of the things I'm and I know you and I are the same generation, and we have the same kind of totems of television. You're or in movies, you like you're like a Burt Reynolds guy. I know or oh, like a number one. Did we deliver the single best piece of wardrobe in the history of the motion picture industry? is his sleeveless wetsuit in Deliverance. It's so great. The zip with the zipper. The zipper and always undone and the perfect amount of chest hair. He looked so awesome in that I, role. I just, I just always like, here's how my mind works. I want to be in the meeting on like the Fox lot and the shitty trailer and it's hot and there's a rack of clothes and Bert's working his way through his wardrobe and he goes, Ooh, and somebody proffers <laughs> up that wetsuit top and he goes, that, that is it. That's the uh, one. I, I got a great story about him and a wetsuit, which was he was in the first movie I was ever uh, in called without a paddle. And he played um, uh, DB Cooper. And, and as you just said, he's my number so he, one. Another time. paddle movie for him. He does deliverance paddles. And now he's doing this movie. I think movie. that was intentional. I think it was Paddles. a little bit of a nod to Deliverance. Right. Gotcha. Um, but there was, and at the time he was in his seventies already. Right. And um, God knows how many times he had broke his back and everything else. And so there was a scene where he has to get shot on a, uh, on a porch and there's going to be a pretty good stunt. Someone's got to jump backwards off this porch. And naturally there's a stunt double there. And Bert says, send him home. <laughs> Get me a three mil wetsuit. That's all I need. Get rid of the pads. All he wanted, A, it was <sighs> off the table that anyone was doing the stunt other than him. And then B, he just wanted a wetsuit on under his costume. And he did not want anything else to break his fall. And this 72-year-old man just leapt backwards and just took a huge back first land on dirt off a porch and he was completely fine. Or at no. least he led us to believe he was completely fine. So I wonder, I think that wetsuit thing is deeper than just that wardrobe. I think it's like, that's his armor, is wetsuit. Oh, that makes perfect. Wow, that makes perfect. He's like, I'm going to be in a canoe for eight weeks and banging on rocks. I need a wetsuit. Like, that's right. 
He probably brought his own now that I think about it. And in this movie, Bert, it doesn't have to be underneath your clothes. He also told me I, I was fighting pretty hard. Again, it was my first movie. I was 28 or something, and I was uh, wanted to be Burt Reynolds very bad. So there was a scene where the guys have to jump off a 100-foot waterfall, and I was making a case every single day leading up to that, that I need to be jumping off that waterfall. And I have all this experience jumping off waterfalls and the stunt coordinator saying, well, these people are trained. And I said, you, how does one train to fall a hundred feet into water? I don't, you know, I'm, I'm being a pain in the ass is what I'm being. Mm -hmm. And finally, Bert pulls me aside and he says, uh, you remember that bit in deliverance where I go over the waterfall and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, 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 of course. And he goes, you can't see me in that shot. And I broke my back. Let the guys jump off the waterfall. <laughs> I was oh. like, okay. And then it was over. I stopped being a brat about it. And I was like, okay. So, so God knows he may have saved my life. How great is, is I live for those moments. I, I'm not kidding. And this isn't a bit. I live for those moments when guys or, or women like that, who you've grown up admiring, loving, and they give you a nugget like that. Oh. He, uh, my love affair with him on that movie, I could, we could do six hours on. I ended, when we got home, he invited me to lunch at his house and Dom DeLuise was there and, and John. Oh, Boy, as he, as he is, as you would expect, but he, yeah. <laughs> he really was. How has there not been a Ryan Murphy Netflix special about the relationship of Dom DeLuise and Burt Reynolds? Oh, that would be so great. That would be so great. You know great. what? Listen, I, and I'm not kidding. I'm texting Ryan when I'm done with this interview. I've got the next Hollywood. You know, it's like a Hollywood franchise. I'll play Jerry Reed in it if possible. No, you should. You'll play Bert. No, I don't. I don't. I, I don't think I'm good enough to play. I don't think I'm cool enough to play Bert. But I, I think I could pull off Jerry Reed, especially. I'd have to go back on pills, but whatever. We could sort it all out after we wrap. Um, <laughs> but I will say. So imagine this: if you could craft your perfect compliment to from your hero. I wouldn't have been able to script this. So it did help that he kind of had a crush on my then girlfriend, Brie. Um, so he, 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 he left a lot of um, signed things in my trailer for me while we were shooting that, which I absolutely love. Cause I had brought some stuff. I had a Gator poster. I brought, you know, of the oh whole God. thing, but he went up uh, on his own and he, he got some stuff and he signed it for us. And two things happened. One is he gave uh, my girlfriend, uh, the famous picture of him nude. Oh, uh, right. Your skin rug. And he wrote on it. This is when I was young and cute like Dax. So oh. that that was great. And I was like, what a move. What a great way to hit on my girlfriend, because you, oh. you flattered me and now I'm over whatever jealousy I'd have. But he wrote to me on a uh, poster. Uh, Dax, you remind me of a younger version of myself. Oh, and I was like, well, that's that. That's the compliment I would dream to get from my hero. I remind him of himself. I was floating. Oh, as you should be. It's not gotten better since then, I don't think. Burt Reynolds is the first person I ever knew who did a summer picture and a winter picture. And the winter picture was always a sort of an awards gambit that obviously <laughs> never really happened. And the summer picture was the box office popcorn one. Uh-huh. He also has, do you remember his, uh, his quote of, uh, when he did smoking the bandit Two? he famously got either 10 or 20 million. It was something that was so astronomical and it was like a three X yeah. of whatever the other 
record for a payday was. And he said, I understand that people are angry and offended by me getting this amount of money, but wouldn't they be more angry and more offended if I didn't take this amount of money? (laughs) I was like, whoa, you flipped the script on that. I couldn't agree more. I'd hate you for not to, someone offers you that amount of money, you do it. He, um, smoking the bandit. I I think he would, that was when he was, uh, when he was with Sally field, like, uh, when they were boyfriend and girlfriend. So I worked with Sally on brothers and sisters. Yes. And I could never really get her. I'd try to crack that Burt seal with her and she was, uh, not really forthcoming. And, you know, and Sally was, she would, she would show up really, really early and never let, she never let anybody touch her. So it was like makeup and hair. No, 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 no. Sally did it all in private. Like it was all a big mysterious process. And she would arrive every morning wheeling a, her own little bag that we assumed had her own makeup and hair, but I always suspected it was Bert's severed head. (laughs) That's what what I thought. Well, I did broach that with him because if I had to say, You say to me, I'm going to give you a time machine and you can go attempt to date any actress that's ever lived and worked in show business. And I am taking that time machine to the set of Hooper and I'm trying to marry Sally Field. She's my all time favorite. So I'm just head over heels in love with her. And then so as Bert and I become friends, I kind of want to know how he felt about her. And um, he loved her. I mean, he was wild about her. And I think he does. He did believe that was one of his great regrets. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard I've heard that, too. I um Yeah. By the way, if I'm in the time machine, I'm going to Viva Las Vegas to Ann Margaret's trailer. Oh, you are. OK. Yeah. OK. I got to tell you, though, even as a straight male, I might take that time machine to the set of Legends of the Fall, too. For Brad. Yeah. Yeah. For Pitt. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, if we're, if we're going to do that, I'm 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 going to crank the meter in the time machine just a, a smidge more to the left. And I'm going to Thelma and Louise. OK, let's talk about that. That that's Apex Brad for you. No, no, no. Apex Brad for for sure. By the way, this if this is not the title of the this episode, then I'm a monkey's <laughs> uncle. Apex Brad. A- Apex Brad. <laughs> Um, <laughs> there's been a few, sure. by the way, it's kind of like trying to judge the highest mountain in the Himalayas. It's, uh, yeah, it's no, it really impossible. is. Yeah. That's what we, that's what we love. Um, apex Brad for me is when Redford mm. shot him the way Redford always insisted on being shot in close up. Do you know what the Redford close up is? Is it that he always has his head turned? Yes. It yes. Is. Oh, it's, good. I didn't know that. Good but job. I, I just went, when I went in my mind and I, most of the time I can see him kind of looking back everywhere. It's, it's, it's over. It's an, actually, it's an over the shoulders. What it's it a is. French. It's an over the shoulder with you looking back and every single shot of him in uh, that fishing movie. River runs through it. River runs through it. I mean, never has there been a more exciting movie about fly fishing um, <laughs> is, uh, that I, I think that might be apex Brad. He's the apex predator of pretty. Okay, so for me, it's hard to top legends um, no. for sure. Um, and this might shock you, but I think my next stop is Snatch. I like Dirty Brad Pitt. Yeah, so you're like a rough trade guy. That's right. That's right. I, I want a, you know, a realistic threat that this guy's going to snap. Something mm-hmm. about that is thrilling. Yeah, I like. I got to have a little androgyny going. 
Yeah, I can see that from from River Runs and then and then Thelma as well. But I think we'd both agree that we're not bitching if we're 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 stalled out and Fight Club. No, that's the um, e- eating. A, I, listen, I admire any actor who eats nothing but lettuce and canned tuna for six months. <laughs> yeah, no, it's incredible. I can't do. I, I mean, well, listen, I'm clearly not a great actor because a, I'm not capable of gaining a ton of weight for any role. I'm just not doing it. And I don't know if I could, if I could eat that all that time for five shirtless scenes. I don't know. It's like that great scene where, um, who is it? Tom, Tom Hardy or one of them gained all the weight for the role and lost to, uh, uh, an Oscar to Gary Oldman who just simply wore a fat suit. <laughs> right. That's what he did. Won the Oscar. Yeah. To me, that should end the debate. That should end the debate. This whole thing. And every year it's trotted out and I just go, oh, God, really? It's like, he gained 55 pounds for this. So what? (laughs) Cares. I'm with you. You have to do it. I have no position on this. This is not a hill I would die on. But I have to admit to having done it. That's a hill I'll die on. (laughs) Clearly. Uh, But for Idiocracy, I I gained uh, 35 pounds. Because Mike had envisioned this guy as a rotund dude, and I thought I should do as much as I can to do that. And my fantasy of what that would be like was I thought it was going to be so awesome. I I thought, oh, my God, I'm going to be eating, you know, everything I want. And I uh, it got to a point where I in the middle of the night, um, I, I had gone up, got up to go pee, came back, went back to sleep. But when I woke up. I had um, an empty Twix wrapper under my body and I had an empty Reese's peanut butter cups under my body. And what I realized Mm. is like, oh, Jesus, I I ate those two in my sleep while I came back from peeing. I grabbed those two candy bars and I was eating them in bed. And then there were and I just I felt terrible throughout the whole process. And there was no doctor supervision. And I remember uh, Super Size Me came out while we were shooting that movie. And I went to the theater and saw it. And I thought, boy, this guy's almost dying and I'm doing, I'm eating way worse than he is. And there's no doctor involved. Um, but you know, I was young and I wanted to do it and it was fine. But, and I've also uh, gotten really thin, uh, or in shape for two different movies, two different times. And I like it cause fuck, I'm not, I'm not claiming it makes me a good or bad actor. I love control. It's like a great excuse to exhibit way too much control over yourself for a punctuated period of time punctuated period for sure I, I what i do want is i want to do i don't necessarily want to do one of the movies but but i want to i want to be in that marvel regimen where like the marvel doctor knocks at your door with a suitcase yep. full of shit that that they used to pump elvis full of except <laughs> this is to get you ripped and shredded and gigantic buys i want whatever they gave what kumail uh, have, sure. you, have you seen sure. my man Kumail? I had him on to talk about his body. Oh, oh, oh I, I did. And? A, I did a full episode about male bodies, and I brought him and uh, Rob McElhenney on, who also got yes. crazy rip for his show that year. And yeah, we just talked about how much we love men's muscles for ninety minutes. Ugh. I, I can tell you from my own personal experience, the two times I got really uh, in great shape for movies, I did it with the sole hope that women would stop me all over the place and tell me how great I had looked. And and to date, not a single woman has told me I had a good body in chips or when in rum. I've had over 300 dudes on the airplane stop to fist bump me and go, bro, you were jacked in chips. Boom. 
and I realized, yep. oh, the yep. only people that are noticing are dudes. <laughs> it's true. Oh yeah. It's like uh um Stallone gave the gave me a really good piece of advice about about all that stuff where he was like you know, all you got to worry about is your abs and your biceps. <laughs> Cuz that's all anybody's looking at. <laughs> and and he was and he's right. Like that's what men immediately look at other men do they are they do they have got a gut? Do they have arms? But then I yeah. ran into Sly years later and he'd he'd uh you know, he'd he'd evolved in his yeah, yeah. his his studies of the male anatomy. Yeah. And he was like I'm very much interested in my forearms. <laughs> sure, and sure. and and he goes, Because if I just roll up my shirt, you know, <laughs> how many times can you wear a t shirt? But you can always wear a dress shirt and open it up. <laughs> and and so he had these massive forearms, massive. Oh, yeah. And the vascularity is off the charts. He's got garden hoses just crisscrossing <laughs> all over. It's so gorgeous. This looks like the intersection of the 405 and the 101. Right <laughs> um, it's so hard for me to hear you do it and not try to do mine. It's just, I know. Yeah. Do you ever do you have that when someone's doing a voice and you're like, oh, I got I gotta try mine? Yeah, you gotta you you, you got it. You got I only do one line of his, which is uh, I heard this, you know, apocryphal story. Maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Uh when he worked with Rob Schneider, he wanted Rob to say a line in Judge Dredd. He wanted him to say he wanted to set him up to say I am the law or something. I don't know. Point is I I've heard that on the shooting day, Rob didn't want to say the line and he's Yo Rob, Sugulan, Selan Rob. Sugulan Rob. Selan. That's really all I do is him. Oh, that- Sugulan Rob. Selan. That's uh that's really good. That's gonna be in my head now. Selan. Sugulan Rob. <laughs> <laughs> right back after this looking for a sparkling clean bathroom without so much hassle wet and forget weekly shower cleaner is here to revolutionize your cleaning future just spray today rinse tomorrow and voila enjoy a sparkling clean shower and tub without any scrubbing It's the secret to a hassle-free, clean bathroom that many are discovering. With over 33,000 five-star reviews, Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner has proven its effectiveness on shower glass, fixtures, tiles, and more, ensuring everything shines with minimal effort. This product has gained a loyal following thanks to its once-a-week application that makes it a standout in the cleaning aisle. Join the ranks of satisfied users who enjoy more me time and less clean time with Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner, available at Amazon, Lowe's, Menards, Home Depot, and Ace Hardware. It's the perfect choice for anyone wanting to simplify their cleaning routine. Don't miss out on a chance to transform your bathroom cleaning with just one application a week. Pick up a bottle of Wet and Forget Weekly Shower Cleaner today and join the thousands who've already made the switch to Effortless Clean. The weather is getting warmer. It's time to ditch the jackets and sweaters for shorts and tees. But there's no need to waste money on clothes that only last one season with Quince. Now you can get high-quality pieces that never go out of style. You'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all the seasonal must-haves like 100% European linen shirts for $30, performance polos, 
and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering with the top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman and passes the savings directly onto you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes. My producer recently made an order for Quince, and here's what he had to say. I'm really excited to revamp my closet with Quince. I cannot wait for my items to arrive from Quince. You know, I'm a sweater guy. I was looking at that burgundy cashmere crew neck. I love the blue chore jacket. Maybe I'll throw some joggers in there. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash Rob for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Rob to get free shipping and 360 day returns. Quince.com slash Rob. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been listening to literally long enough, you'll know that I am a big believer in getting the help you need. Therapy has been a big, big, big part of my life and something I think we should be all doing as needed, just like checking the oil on your car. I've spoken about this and we all carry around different stressors, big and small. We keep them bottled in and it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to get the things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist. And switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Rob Lowe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Rob Lowe. Can I ask you who your favorite actors are? If you had to, if you had to like list three, I don't ever get to talk about actual this, despite having a podcast. <clears throat> I never just bro out about who I like. Um, who, who are your name three? You're, you're enamored. Oh, with. easy. That's easy. That's that. The, the first two are really, really easy. And then the third one, uh, kind of, you kind of have to rotate in and out. Okay. For sure. Without a doubt. Hands down. Number one, Paul Newman. Oh, what a great pick. Number, not, not even a question. Um, introduced my kids to the sting the other day. Yeah. And it was just a perfect movie an absolutely yeah, perfect yeah, movie. Absolutely. Um, and then two is Redford. Wow. Two is Redford. Really classic for you. Classic. Really traditional. Yeah. Um, Warren, Warren Beatty's in there. Um, but then it becomes performance based after, after that it's, it's performance based. Yeah, you kind of just told me who your favorite movie stars of all time were, in a way. Yeah. What's your favorite performance you've ever seen from an actor in something? Oh, Al, P- Al Pacino and The Godfathers. Hmm. Okay. Al Pacino and The that's, Godfathers, without a, a doubt, are my, uh, are, I mean, it's a clinic. It's an, mm. it's an absolute clinic of acting. Mm. It's a great pick. Yeah, right? You know, some of this becomes telling on what kind of acting you personally want to do. So uh, yep. many people's is Daniel Day-Lewis, and that's certainly a great pick. He's Yes. A, oh, a f- dude, I have on my phone right now, on my phone, I can bring up the scene, I've abandoned my boy. Oh. I have it on my cool. phone. So, yes. And 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 now that you bring it up, I go, shit, fuck, God, oh, he should be on. But Oopsie daisies. Oopsie daisies. 
Remember, he's <laughs> Bill the Butcher. He says uh, fucking oopsie daisy. Oopsie. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's great. He's great. But I, 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 I would point to one performance for me. Well, two in my life that made me think, oh, something's happening here. So those performances are unbelievable. They're meticulous. They're flawless. I, 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 my hat is off to them. But there is a moment in The Wrestler where Mickey Rourke, he has just trashed the inside of the, the store he works in. He goes into his van and he looks at himself in the mirror. Hmm. And I, I just imagine 99.99% of actors look in that mirror and they show us they feel embarrassed or ashamed or defeated. And he starts laughing at himself. And I went, oh, my mm. God, that is what I do when I'm super embarrassed. I, and I see myself in the mirror. I just start laughing uncontrollably. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have been smart enough to remember I do that. Like it, that to me was a moment in a movie where I went, this motherfucker's on another level for this thing. It's a great, it's a great choice. I mean, it's a great, I mean, that's a whole other conversation is like, there's the performance, the actor, and then there's like the choice in, in the scene. I, I was watching um, Charles Durning in the sting and he's uh, plays this badass cop. Who's in this scene. He's in a sort of speakeasy having a bite to eat. And these FBI guys come in and roust him and say, basically get your fat ass up and you're coming with me. And he does this thing where he, puts his hand in his water that he's been drinking, uh -huh. sticks his hand in it and wipes and wipes it and leaves. <laughs> right. And I'm like, that right. is the most amazing piece of human business. Oh yeah. Um, what's his buns? Bridges is famous for that too. And in, in, in uh, wild at heart or lonely heart, whatever yeah. the thing was he won for the way he helps the window up on the suburban as someone who's super into cars and has old cars, mm -hmm. I thought, oh, my God, he's that deep into this thing. It's really his car. He knows he should help this window up because he's replaced this motor before and he don't want to do it again. Like, it's yeah. not, not there's no fucking way that's in the script. Right. And you're just like, oh, man, this guy's really <laughs> embarrassing most of us. <laughs> so I, I, I love geeking out and fanboying to great performances. I, yeah, I just, the other thing too, I think as I was starting to think of like, okay, I'm I, I want to do this, I want to be an actor, and who were the greats and why were they great? So I started kind of looking at it clinically and I started pretty early. And I will say, as cliche as this is, seeing Brando on, on the waterfront was was the first time I saw an actor exist in the scene in a real way. In that when he sits in a chair, the chair's not in the perfect spot. He tries to get it in the right spot and he looks down at the ground. Oh, it's on the fucking thing. And then he does. And then it's, it's just the first time that ever happened. It's revolutionary. Else prior to him, when they sit in a chair, it's in the perfect position. And I thought, oh, yeah, yep. be in the fucking place. Yeah, it was revolutionary. On, on the other side of that, though, another guy who would be on my list is Cary Grant because he made it look so easy. And, and did, did like you watch that doc about him? Oh yeah, I knew oh. him. I I I, I oh, knew him did? a little bit. I did. Yeah, I I knew him. Um, I was friendly with his daughter Jennifer. In fact, was trying to date her, and she was not having what I was selling at all. <laughs> okay, well that happens occasionally. Yeah, you know nobody bets a thousand. <laughs> <laughs> that documentary is so fascinating and 
as we enter into a different paradigm where people in public are kind of more free to talk about the experience, you see how imprisoning his was. You know, he, he for people who don't know the Cary Grant story, right? He he that's not his name. He's a yeah. poor kid in London, fucked up childhood, comes here and he decides I'm going to be this person. And for makes people it who up. haven't heard the famous quote is he famously said a lot of people want to be Cary Grant and I'm one of them. Mm. And what a profound and I think a lot of us feel that way. It's like, yeah, I, I do want to be this person I'm portraying. I'm not, or I don't feel like I am. And the notion that he was doing acid therapy like once <sighs> a week is so- Once a week? I know. I'm tripping balls. I don't know about you. <laughs> There's elephants on the on the carpet moving. <laughs> yeah, and he got a lot out of it, apparently. Yeah. I also saw it as a cautionary tale. You know, the daughter who I guess you were trying to date was saying that they had this kind of really lovely family unit and then they moved to this enormous house and then everyone was just lonely in it. And I, I have really I really let that set in. I'm like, don't ever get a place where people can be lonely. I remember that. That's the house I went to and my my greatest memory that I thought, wow, this is what making it really is. Was oh, that he had mountains a, and shit. Yeah. He had a uh refrigerator like a Teflon shiny refrigerator that had a milk spigot. Oh my God. Sticking out of it like a diner. Milk on demand. Milk on demand spigot. That's worth like, the money. Yeah. I've never That's... seen that before or since. <laughs> yeah. It's hard to imagine you striking out with a gal, but you know. I was a showbiz nerd. I was like a, I was like a theater geek. Yeah. You did say, I said, uh, cause you were in a class like a row over from Downey. Yeah. And he, and he was just a nut. <laughs> right. There's gotta be some grown up women now that were like, Oh my God. I, I was sitting between these two. I missed the boat. There's a lot of them. <laughs> Believe me. They, Cause I wasn't a surfer then. Right. I wasn't a surfer. I wasn't a beach volleyball player. That was like yeah. the ultimate. I mean, gee, oof, if you could date a beach volleyball player, man, you yeah. were made. Um, and I wasn't that I was like the nerd who was like doing Dan Aykroyd's basomatic sketch at the, in the talent show. <laughs> that was me. It was not. And was Downey, not, what was Downey? He just, he just, he was on a, 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 in a different plane. You know what he was? He was the number one singer in the Madrigals. Do you know what Madrigals are? Nope. Matt, this is back when, when, when public education was really f like, they actually did cool shit. Like yeah. Madrigals was a class where you sang Latin songs in Latin. Oh boy. So the Madrigals were a choir of Latin singers. Mm. And, and it's like, um, that's not, that did not sound like Latin, by the way, at all. I'm, that sounded like um, Oktoberfest, maybe. Yeah, it was not good. But Downey, <laughs> li he was really, re he was the star Madrigal singer. That's what he was. He's a hell of a singer. He is. Yeah. I feel weird saying this, but we're bros. Um, but long before I was bros with him, I owned his CD. Like I loved his, his, uh, his is this the Ally McBeal thing. No, he put out a full length album. That's really, really good. It's, it's a little bit Steely Dan esque. It's, Ooh. um, it's great. And I liked it. And I thought he was, I'm like, wow, this, he's such a great singer. But the time that I was like, oh, fuck this guy. What can't he do? It was mm. any, when he sang with Sting. 
I don't know. Have I you seen know. that video? Yeah, Downey is too talented. I know, isn't it? It's, it's, it's disheartening. Good. It's very frustrating. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Thank God he's nice. It would be insufferable. I know. I know. He's, I, I'm plagued by that with, with Bradley Cooper. We've been um, best buddies for about 16 years. And just every couple years, I go, oh, whoa, you didn't tell me you're a great singer, bro. Uh, oh wow you didn't tell me you're a phenomenal director i always say if i like if i looked up in the sky and an f-16 blew by and bradley waved at me i'd be like yeah the guy can fly an f-16 i think yeah i i saw him in the (laughs) i saw him do elephant man in 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 london it was spectacular yeah yeah spectacular yeah Yeah. here's my bradley story he's convinced and i cannot tell him otherwise (laughs) he's convinced my father taught him his backhand I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, your dad was a tennis pro, right? I'm like, I go, yes, he was. How did you know he was a tennis pro? Because he taught me my backhand. I'm like, where? And he goes, in Puerto Rico. I'm like, what? My dad was a tennis pro in Puerto Rico. Absolutely. Well, then why isn't this possible? Because the math doesn't work at all. What was he instructing? My dad was was instructing in Puerto Rico in <laughs> 60. Uh-oh. <laughs> two, three, 62-3. Okay. That, the well, math does not work. No, Cooper and I are four days apart. We were born four days apart and both in 1975. So that's probably not going to it, The math's out. way off. Yeah. But, but Maybe he, someone assumed your father's identity. I think there's a pro down there going, I am Rablos. Father. Andre. Um, he will not, He, but he, you, you, I, I could Don't not take convince that him. from him. Don't you dare take that from him. You know what? You're right. I never thought of it that way. You know, I got to say that about Bert. There were a few stories. He's definitely, Bert Reynolds is the best storyteller I've ever heard in my life, period. And, and many times I thought, you know, the physics don't make sense here in this story. <laughs> like, I don't think that's anatomically possible what, or, or, uh, atomically possible and then i thought shut the fuck up enjoy this story he told me one about hal needham they've both (sighs) passed now so i think i could tell this they were roommates forever right hal needham for people don't know most legendary stuntman of all time ended up directing uh hooper and smoking the bandit he's the best i recommend reading his autobiography it's phenomenal toughest guy to ever live so he and bert were roommates they're living in santa monica and 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 hal comes home from work one day and he says uh bert i need you to take me to the hospital i I broke my back and bert goes well there's no way you broke your back you couldn't be walking in and out of here and he goes well bert i broke my back take me to the hospital so he takes him to the hospital in santa monica there and uh apparently the nurse is is pretty and uh and hal is flirting with the nurse and uh, this is all by Bert's assessment. He's pretty sure the nurse and the doctor have something going on. So he's detecting that the doctor is getting a little annoyed by by uh, Hal hitting on the, the nurse. Uh, give him an x-ray. Sure enough, he has a broken back. But not only that, he has a considerable amount of fluid in his lung. And he tells uh, Hal he's going to have to take the fluid out of his lung with a big syringe. He needs to get on the wall, brace himself, stand up. The nurse is going to hold his knees because some people faint during this. And he is in the hospital gown. And the doctor puts the needle in his back and Hal Needham shits all over the nurse. (laughs) And the whole story, I'm predicting where it's going. 
There's no way you're assuming that's the punchline. The story is that Hale Needham evacuated on a nurse. All the all the all the <laughs> stuff about them flirting. I don't know. It was just what I've never heard a punchline like that. He says that, and I was like, "Oh my god, did I not see that coming?" And then I, you know, I started to let myself wonder, like, you know, how much of that could. And I was like, "Just shut up." Yeah, great story. Let him have the story. It was phenomenal. I tell. I, I tell my my wife and kids are always busting my balls about everything. Sure. Um, and like that never happened. I said, don't ever let the facts get in the way of a good story ever. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. By the way, where's where's your wife during all this? Is she like, oh, oh God, Jesus. As far again? away as she can get from me. She's like, she has to be. From what I know yeah, of Kristen, she, she's like, really? Again, again with this? <laughs> well, it's white noise. We've been together 13 and a half years. So I, I can't imagine she even takes in half of what I'm doing and, and vice versa. She'll start talking about dogs and yeah, about 25 minutes will go by. And, and probably I got three or four of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a successful marriage. You, you come to realize as you've been with someone a really, really long time that your grandpa was not deaf. Everyone's yes. grandpa was deaf, but you come to realize none of them were. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you you come to realize that when gran- grandpa went to get the paper and there were only so many papers they could go out to get. <laughs> Got to yes. go get the paper. Yeah, well, now, now, now you don't even have a fucking. Oh, my God. I got to tell you that this, really quick. One of the guys at the uh, fuck it. He told it on this podcast. So I'm going to repeat it. But Jay and Mark Duplass, the, the Duplass yes. brothers, they're very the successful. Yeah, they're. I don't know if it was their dad or their buddy's dad. Regardless, um, a dad had been on a bowling league and for years. And the mom found out somehow that the bowling league had stopped <laughs> a couple years ago. And she said, of course, her mind went to like, oh, my God, he must be having an affair. In this. And they and she asked him, what what were you doing? And he said, I just would go to the bowling alley and park my car there in case anyone saw. And I would just sit in the car for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I thought, oh, my God, if that's not a married person with children. Like, just give me fucking two and a half hours in a bowling alley parking lot. That's all I'm asking for. I don't even need to bowl. Just let me sit. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a high bar. It's like, I just want some peace and quiet. Yeah. Our wives, listen, the, here's the thing that's good news. I don't know about you, but my wife does not care one whit about anything I do. So she's not going to listen to yeah. this. So I'm going to be okay. But can you imagine if they actually listened to what we did? Like, <laughs> if they cared? Can you imagine? Yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword. Like, um, I, Yeah, because we wouldn't be able time. to tell the story. We'd be in trouble. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, but I remember going out on Ellen to promote something, oh, to promote chips. And I wore this police outfit and she goes, my God, you're in great shape. Look at your art. Like she was really taking it in. She was mm. being so complimentary and I was just eating it up. And she said, Kristen must be so excited about this. And I was like, I know for sure Kristen has no idea whether I have gained or lost 25 pounds. I'm just an orb <laughs> that like comes in and out of rooms and she has to compromise with this orb sometimes, and occasionally this orb makes her laugh. But that is, that's the extent of it. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm I, I'm I am your co-orb. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a presence 
that seems to not want to leave. And an amorphous herb. What, by the way, what, what, is, what are you, are you vaping? What do you got going on there? Oh, sadly I am. Yeah. Yeah. Why does it look like it? But it's not, it doesn't look like a U, U, USB port or what? Oh yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. What happened was I, I haven't smoked in 16 years. I went to Lake Arrowhead and I was with my childhood best friend and he was still killing darts. <laughs> and it's the first time in 16 years. I was like, my God, I want to fucking smoke a cigarette in this beautiful Alpine landscape. And I said, I can't do that. And then there was someone else there that vaped. And I thought, well, you know what I'll do is I'll vape this week to get me through the urge of that smoking. And, I, you know, that was four months ago, Rob. <laughs> I, that trip to Arrowhead is long past. And I am still fucking vaping. I relate to every moment of it. This, this <laughs> landscape is so beautiful and pristine. The air is so fresh. I need to put smoke in my lungs. That's right. That's right. And there's only only certain people like us that that think that way. It's, it's well, good I think shit. that if, if I had to actually say exactly what it is, it's a, it's that I, I, I'm so greedy. No situation cannot be made better. I like so we're sitting there. We're looking at the lake. It is perfect. And my brain immediately goes, how could I get even more out of this? I need more, <laughs> more, 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 more. Nothing's perfect enough. If I was receiving. Sexual relations from Sally Field, 1977, in a Trans Am, driving down the highway. I would think of something else we could do to make it better. It's just how my brain works. Boy, some spare ribs would go good with this experience. <laughs> so good. Wouldn't I mind believe a foot it. massage while this was happening. <laughs> Sally would be like, oh, you. That's my Sally Field impersonation. <laughs> oh, you. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, the disease yeah. of more. Disease of more. This is great. This is so fun, man. I, I we agree. Could talk for, we, the problem is we could just talk for five fucking hours. That's right. We are editor's nightmare. I know. My editor is, he's he's broken out in a sweat. He looks like Albert Brooks in broadcast news right now. <laughs> just like, oh God, where will I be in? <laughs> I don't get to bro out enough. I don't get to bro out as much as I like to. I think I I literally started this podcast so I could see people other than my family. Yeah. Yeah, it's ha- it's nice. It's nice to go check in with some some folks. <laughs> it's like I'm alive, especially this year. It's been I nice. know, I know. I've seen more. I've seen more people this year than I've seen in any year. Unfortunately, not in the flesh. Yeah, it, it's enough though. It's just exactly right. <laughs> All right, guy. Thank you so much, right, brother. Give give Kristen a big hug for me as well. Will do. Tell her I said hey. Um, and um, if she finds any good rescue dogs, um, I, I may be in the market for one. Oh, she, believe me, she never, there's never a moment she does not have a dog she's trying to unload. So whenever you're ready. All right. I'll reach out. All right. Thanks, man. Bye. That was fun. I think we name dropped just about everybody in show business. All they did is talk about famous people. What do you want from me? That's all I know. Come on. I'm not a human being. Just a star person. I love Dax. He's so, isn't he the best? He's the best. I mean, he says Burt Reynolds is the best storyteller ever. I don't know. He's given him a run for his money. Anyway, I had a blast. I, and, and I don't care if you had a blast. I Look, I want you to have a blast. I want you to keep listening. And I love, I love you guys. But guess what? I loved that. And that was great. Hopefully you did too. All right. It is time for the lowdown line. Hello. You've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown 
on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hi, Rob. This is Tyler calling from North Dakota. Uh, big fan. I love the podcast. I just got done watching all the episodes of The Low Files with you and your boys, and I got to say it was really fun and it was great to watch. I'm just curious, are there any topics or anything else that you wish that you guys had covered on The Low Files with you and your boys before it went off the air? Thank you very much and keep up the good work. Thank you. That's, I'm, first of all, thank you for watching The Low Files. It was really a labor of love. I mean, let's face it, any dad who has the opportunity to run around in a souped up truck with their boys um, solving supernatural mysteries is going to jump at the chance, as I did. Um, oh, yeah, there's so much more stuff that I wanted to do. We were going to go to Hawaii and, and do the Manahoonies and the Night Marchers. So the night marchers are spirits that march up and down the island of the, the, the big island with torches at night. And if you look at them, they kill you. And the Manahoonies are little tiny like elves that run around and play tricks on you and, you know, put your shoes in the wrong room or steal things. They're sort of like um, mischievous little elves. So that also, by the way, would have been a great excuse to. Go to Hawaii. Um, I mean, there was the the secret space force. We did a little bit of that. I'm fascinated. I wanted to go to Mount Shasta to look at the uh, the um, supposed giants that live inside the mountains. And apparently when certain clouds come over Mount Shasta, which only happen on Mount Shasta, apparently, that's when the spaceship uh, is there loading people in and out. Oh, yeah. Oh, you heard me. These are the things that uh, supposedly go on that uh, may or may not be complete bullshit. And the low files was there to find out. Um, maybe I, I want to do more low files. Maybe one day we'll get to do it. But I love that you watched it. And uh, those would have been the next things we would have done. All right. See you guys next week, please. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced and engineered by me, Devin Tory Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile, Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. The supervising producer is Aaron Blair. Talent producer, Jennifer Samples. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.